Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now your host, Craig Hewitt. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. This week, we have John Dalton. John, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for uh, being on the show today. Really appreciate it. And uh, for, for the folks who don't know your name or kind of what you're into with podcasting, can you give a bit of your kind of background story and how you got started in podcasting? Okay. My name is John Dalton. My podcast name is John Dalton Gently Does It. And I have long-form audio-only interviews with artists. And the artists uh, that I talk to, they're predominantly painters, and they predominantly paint in a in the style of the old masters. So their paintings um, are, have the same levels of skill as Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. And it's that kind of the figurative paintings, meaning they're, they're not, it's not abstract. Even I have had the odd abstract artist on, but mostly they're figurative meaning when you look at them, you go, yeah, that's a person, that's a church, that's a tree, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I'm an artist myself and my podcast is it's an outgrowth really of my general artistic uh, practice. Like I, I write books, I paint pictures, I make videos, I create installations, and I podcast as well. And the podcast has evolved much like a, any kind of work of art. It didn't start out with these long-form interviews. It started out as extra perspectives on uh, the book I had written at the time. This is around 2013 called May and Noise. Uh, so, like, the first 12 episodes are just me uh, talking about different aspects of that book. And then I began to interview people. And then over time, the interviews became more and more with artists as I was more and more curious about um, art and painting and my own artistic expression. And, the, and then focus more and more on these this group of artists uh, that, as I say, are sort of working to get their skills you know some of them spend you know up to 12 years training you know and they go to places like florence and through italy um, learning these old crafts and these old ways of painting so that the podcast has kind of evolved into what it is now gotcha gotcha i yeah so fascinated about the the long form content because i think that's something one of the questions that we get a lot in our discussions with potential customers or people that want to get started in podcasting is how long should my podcast be? I hear that 22 minutes is the ideal length or something like that. For this show, we try to keep things pretty tight and concise, so something like 30 minutes. But I definitely know there's a lot of shows that are an hour, two hours long. How has the the evolution been of getting into kind of longer form form content? And what are your thoughts around that as you, you've kind of settled into 100 episodes at this point? Yeah, I think I think knowing your audience is a, is probably the key to that. Uh, like I've heard that the ideal length for a podcast is a subway ride or a commute. <laughs> right, right. And initially, I I used to break my episodes up, but I've the more I've got to know my audience, it, the predominantly um, are artists. So they're in the studio, they're painting, they put the podcast on, and they actually don't want to have to get up and restart it or go to the you know part two or anything like that. So they're quite happy to sit through like an hour, an hour and a half. 
I think my longest one was three hours long. Um, that was a, a husband and, and wife artist. But I think my average is about an hour and a half. And um, my audience has no problem with that. Um, they're quite happy to uh, listen to it because they're listening to a, an artist that they probably know. They probably know their work and they're just really interested to know all the different little technical reasons why they paint, the way they paint, the equipment they use, the types of paint, the types of brushes, and then their motivations behind it and their, how they're doing in the art world and all these kind of things. So they're, my audience are very happy to listen to long form. Now, that makes sense. And I think that knowing your audience has a lot of, there's a lot of reasons behind it, and a lot of implications to, to knowing your audience well. And I think that a lot of maybe the the podcasts that I have listened to historically have been uh, shorter form, you know, in the 20, 30, 40 minute range, because most of them have been business technical kind of podcasts. But being in the world where a lot of artists might not have a commute at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that or, or they certainly wouldn't listen to podcasts on the commute and might just listen to it while they're painting seems to make a lot of sense. So yeah, nice. That's a good example. Yeah. I, so one of the things that, that I'm curious about with your show is, is kind of bridging this gap between having a really visual subject matter and expressing it in the audio medium. So so you're talking about painting and artist and art, but it's a podcast, so it's obviously the audio medium. How has it been to to kind of both connect with your your interviewees, the people you have on your show, and have them kind of express themselves in an audio format and do that in a, I don't want to say descriptive way, but for lack of a better term, a really descriptive and concise way. Uh, has that been a, been a challenge or has it been fun to kind of explore bridging those two media? Yeah, I think it comes back to knowing your audience again, because, you know, if I was to <laughs> present my podcast as a, as a sort of a business plan right now, you'd you as as it stands, you know, if I've said, okay, I'm going to do a podcast, it's going to be about art, and it's just going to be audio only. Well, you'd say, well, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Yeah. But <laughs> why it works is, uh, one, most of my audience are artists. So they don't want to look at something, they want to listen, because they're looking at what, what they're doing, they're painting. So they, they, they if I was, to, if I made the podcast, a visual thing, it probably wouldn't be um, as popular with artists. And then the second thing is that most artists spend their working day on their own thinking about their art. You know, like painting is, uh, it's a million decisions that you have to make. It's a, uh, you know, as to what you're doing and what will I do here and you get into trouble and then you've got to try and get out of trouble. And so you're constantly thinking about what you're doing. So, Artists have this pent-up reservoir of conversation that they're just dying to share with somebody who's interested. You know, there's a kind of a joke among artists about the uh, telemarketer who rings an artist and four hours later they're managed to get off the phone <laughs> because the artist won't stop talking. So all I'm doing is, is tapping a, a reservoir of conversation and I'm asking them about the thing that they think about most in their working life. And they're just, you know, very happy to talk about it. I nearly always have to cut it short. I nearly always have to wrap it up at the end. They could probably talk for twice the amount of time. So, you know, it it, it sounds like a bad idea on paper, but it works really well because the artists that I'm that I'm chatting with are only too happy to talk and they've got lots to say. And the artists who are listening to it, they don't need to be shown 
what uh, you know cobalt blue looks like because they know. So all the artists have to do is say, oh, I use cobalt blue in my palette, and they immediately know what they're talking about. So we get around the visual thing quite easily. Sure, sure, makes sense. Okay. So interested to, to kind of dig into the other types of content that you produce as well around art because uh, another popular subject amongst new podcasters or even existing podcasters is, okay, I already have a blog or I have a YouTube channel or I have a book. I want to start a podcast, but I want to make sure that it fits in well with everything else I'm doing and kind of makes sense. Like, so you don't want to just start a podcast that's going to regurgitate the same subject matter and have the same guests on and talk about the same sorts of things, but you want it to be a little different and complementary. What have you done to to kind of make sure that that's a good fit and everything gels well together with the other things you're putting out? Well, the fact that I'm an artist and I'm talking to artists means that we have a a very natural communication because I am genuinely interested and I am genuinely asking, what do you do? How do you get that effect? I was looking at your painting. It's brilliant. How do you do that thing? So that's just really natural and it fits in with me being an artist. The podcast, I haven't gone very wide into the other areas. Like I don't have um, writers on, even though I am a writer. I talk about writing because there are crossovers in the creative process. Like if it comes up and an artist is talking about something and I'll say, oh yeah, that's reminds me of writing. Or sometimes I'll talk to an artist who also was a writer and I'll, we, we can talk about that. But I don't, I don't uh, dilute it too much away from what it is. And again, that comes from uh, the audience. And I can kind of keep an eye on how my audience is responding through different things because I podcasts are great for information going out, but it's not easy to get it back unless you have other ways like social media or I have a, a like a, an email newsletter that people can subscribe to. I um, encourage people to email me if they you know have an artist that they would like me to talk to or you know that they think would be good to to have on the podcast before I um, I'm going to talk to an artist I generally will put it on Instagram I'll, you know I'll show the artist's work and I say I'm going to be chatting with this person on the podcast if you have any questions that you'd like me to ask them you know let me know put it in the comments and get a bit of feedback but I know say from my Instagram account if I post something and that's a little bit different or in a slightly different direction or maybe to do with film or writing or something like that. I know I can tell by the response that 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 my audience, which is mostly my podcast audience, is not that interested in that side of it. So I just kind of keep it all generally around painting and art. And then as people get to know me, because I'm the kind of constant, even though I'm quite in the background when I'm uh, interviewing somebody, over time, they get kind of get to know me. And then if they're interested to know more about me, then they can discover the writing and the videos and the other kind of things that I that I do, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. You touched on something that is, uh, is kind of a, a hot point for me, and I think it really is the place that separates good or great podcasters and people that make up I don't want to say make a business, make a sustainable podcast out of out of their show than people who start and then stop is creating a way to have two-way communication with their audience. So, so podcasting is very one way. You and I are talking. People are going to be listening to this at some point in the future. And then it's up to, to me as the content creator or for us as the people on the show to create an avenue for people to continue that discussion 
or find out more about us or engage with other stuff they're doing yeah. that we're doing uh, down the road. What have you, it sounds like you have that pretty well figured out at this point. And, and one of the things that, that I love about podcast hackers in this show is we all are learning from our previous and other people's mistakes. So would love to hear, uh, I don't mean to, uh, to pick at the scab too much, but would love to hear kind of like how you started in this way with, with creating a way to communicate and get feedback from your audience and, and maybe some of the best things that you feel like you're doing now, because this is a really key thing for everybody that has a podcast. I think, again, it comes back to the audience. Most of my audience are, um, the main way I communicate with them is through Instagram. And that's because Instagram is a very visual medium. A lot of artists are on Instagram. So like when I put that question out, you know, I'm going to be talking to this artist this week. And if you have any questions, I put that out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google+, Elo is another one that artists are on, Elo. I think it's CA. There's about five or six different media channels that I put it out on uh, and Patreon up to my Patreon uh, community as well. And most, I'd say 99 times out of 100, it's Instagram that responds. Every now and then I'll get a, a question on Facebook. So I've discovered, you know, even though I continue to do that, I'll continue to put it out and uh, through all the other media because what I've discovered it, I get different responses. For example, that question that when I announce who I'm going to be talking to, that that gets liked a lot and it gets retweeted a lot. I don't get any questions from it, okay. <laughs> but okay. there's, a, there's a sort of an engagement there. So I'll keep doing it that way. I never get anything from Google Plus, but I keep doing it anyway, just to keep it alive. But mostly it's through Instagram. And the series of questions that I have now has evolved through feedback from my audience um, where they'll say, oh, can you ask about this, you know, ask about their, their painting, what kind of paint they use, ask about what kind of brushes they use, ask about what kind of lighting they use, or can you ask them this question or that question? So now the questions that I have are very much formed. There's a section that, that's very much formed by my audience getting in touch and saying, I would like to know more. And I generally don't have artists, you know, back on the podcast. I mean, as you say, I've like just passed the 100 episode there uh, over the new year. And so that's nearly, you know, nearly 100 artists. Um, I don't generally have them back, but I, I did have one back recently. And that was, I had him back specifically because he was so early on in the podcast that I never got to ask him all the sorts of questions that I ask all the artists now. And I sort of felt he'd missed out and the audience had missed out on on it as well. I, as I said, I have a newsletter and I get some kind of response. You get, I get it. It's a different quality to the response that you get from an email newsletter. People will actually take the trouble to write you an email. So there's generally more. I'll get a list of artists instead of a, you know, a quick, hey, why don't you have this artist on your podcast? I'll get somebody, you know, somebody on emailed me yesterday. I think they had about seven or eight artists that they had <laughs> listed in their email, you know. That's great, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Instagram. But then that's my audience, you know, like if you had a different kind of, podcast i don't know if instagram would be that great for you you know sure sure yeah totally makes sense yeah i think for us we're looking at instagram more and more uh in the podcasting space i think it has a decent uh a decent reach twitter and facebook for us are kind of the place where we're looking to, to engage with potential customers in our audience most yeah but yeah i mean i think generally kind of like you're saying that the depth of communication you can have on social media is tough. I think it's a great way to start a conversation, but to really get into the details, 
I, I feel old fashioned almost, but to say that email is still the best place to really get in-depth communication and feedback from people. Uh, but, uh, but that's my personal take on things. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think part of it is you've got to kind of, it's almost like predicting the weather, you know, like if you keep emailing your audience, they're going to get sick of it because they're listening to a podcast because they really don't have, they don't hear about from you. Yeah. Right. They don't want, you know, they want, they just want to consume free content, you know, and I think if you forget that and pester them a bit, <laughs> like when I started on Patreon, just for example, I said, oh, well, you know, I read read everything, you, you know, about Patreon and how you're supposed to promote yourself and, you know, all that kind of thing. And like anything, when you start, I just tried it out. I just, you know, so I topped and tailed my each episode with, you know, a call to action to, you know, if you like the show, support it on, on Patreon, right? Uh, it didn't make any difference to the number of new patrons. Really? No, not, not, not a bit. So... I just came back to me, myself, and what I like to listen to. And I don't like listening to people promoting stuff on their podcast. <laughs> um, so I kind of, okay, well, it's not. I'm not getting any response from that. And I'm doing something that I wouldn't like to listen to. So I just stopped doing it. And the number of patrons didn't go down. Just a regular, steady thing where the content just speaks for itself. If somebody likes it, they will do something about it. They'll go to my website. They'll see the Patreon thing or the support thing. I've got, I've got a Patreon thing or I've got a, a PayPal thing. And you can do one or the other. And they'll they'll do one of those those two things regardless of whether I'm saying, hey, support my podcast. You know. Now, what I, I didn't stop completely, every sort of every three or four months, I'll just remind people about it. But just one episode, you know, like I did it on the uh, that hundredth episode one, just as a kind of a landmark one. Sure. And that that does get a bit of response. But now that's a case of like me feeling like I'm pestering people who don't really want to know about my life that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's not why they're listening to the podcast right. um, and kind of responding to that, you know. So you kind of have to intuit it a bit, I think. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We have uh, a couple of people who are going to be on the show that are, are kind of heavily supported on places like Patreon, but I think more people probably have a podcast that supports another to brand or business or something like that. H- has Patreon been a substantial source of revenue for you, or is it just, or a listener support, I guess, whether it's PayPal or Patreon, or is it just kind of a you know, a smaller additional thing to to your other products and services and things that you have around your brand? When I started first, I thought it was going to be huge because you look at some podcasts and they have, you know, I know there's some that are that are getting, you know, up to five thousand dollars a month in from patrons. Well, wow. patrons. Mm-hmm. So I naturally assumed that was what was going to happen. Of course. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. But it's regularly building. So I think, I don't think I've crossed $250 yet, but that's, you know, that that's every month. It just keeps coming, you know, and sure. like I, you know, there are different levels that you can set in, in uh, Patreon. And, and I think the biggest subscriber I have is like $50 a month, but I have a lot of people who just do a dollar a month. I kind of like that as well. I think that's kind of the way Patreon works, you know, that it's spread out among lots of people. 
so it's it's not huge um and then it, i have a paypal um thing where because not everybody likes to do that once a month thing you know they just want to go yeah i like the podcast i just want to send some money to support it but i don't want to i don't want to commit myself to something so they can do that through uh, paypal as well and that um I haven't added it up, but I'd say over the year it it would probably be about half of what I, what comes in on Patreon if I if I added it all up. Okay. So not 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 huge, but um, what I like about Patreon is it's it's a way of classifying or categorizing or grouping together really true fans because they put their money where their mouth is. So. If they ask me a question or anything, I'll drop everything and answer them first because they, it doesn't matter anybody else on Instagram. Or, you know, even if I know somebody really well on Instagram or so, or uh, another media uh, social media channel, the Patreon people um, get special treatment because they've kind of qualified themselves as the top of the top, if you know what I mean, of of sure. peop- of, lis- of listeners. So yeah, I use it that way. Yeah, I think that's that's it. if we had to survey kind of all of our audience and listeners and and customers that that we would see that that Patreon is uh, is a nice addition to to other things that they're doing, but but definitely is not uh, paying all the bills. So uh, that's that's interesting to hear. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about this show and one of our big goals is to have a bunch of different types of podcasters on. And for us all to be able to learn something from unique things that other podcasters are doing that we might not see kind of living in our own little world. So me living in the podcasting world, or you living in the art world? If you just listen to other podcasters or artists talk about their podcasts, you might not learn some of the things that you could listen to if you listen to people that are in very different arenas. I wonder if there's anything that you feel like from your experience here at 102 episodes that you've uniquely learned that might be beneficial for other people to to kind of pick up and maybe avoid you know, if it's a mistake you've made or a thing you really picked up on, if there's one kind of tidbit that you could pass on that you think is is particularly unique to you, your experience and your show. Well, I think with interviewing people, I think I think I managed to get a like what I set out to do is create a conversation that is interesting, like you might overhear in a in a coffee shop or a bar or something like that. Um, because I don't, I never really think of, um, a podcast audience, like standing on a stage and there's, you know, 2000 people there listening to this conversation, uh, or it's like a radio audience. I always think of it in just in terms of three people, me, the person I'm talking to, and then the person who's listening because podcasts are consumed in a very intimate way on the train and the bus and the car. It's not like a group of friends get together to listen to a podcast. It's just, it's very intimate and usually with headphones. So it's really intimate. So I try and are set out to try and create a, a very interesting, friendly conversation like two friends would be having and you might be you might just overhear it and you just can't join in but you feel you feel that kind of um rapport so i think i've done that i like i have all my interviews on uh, skype but when i'm getting in touch with the person i'll put the camera on first before we start recording um so that i can see them and they can see me and i think that helps build rapport very quickly 
because you get that you're talking to a real person, you can kind of see what they look like for the day and if they're a bit stressed or if they're a bit happy or what the environment and they can see where I am. I usually do them in my studio so they can see what's going on behind me and they can chat away about that as well. And then when we're ready to record, I turn off the, um, we turn off the cameras, the audio signals better as well. But we both have a mental picture of the other person that we're talking to. And I think that helps with rapport as well. The other thing I think that I do as well is I, I don't labor under the illusion that people are listening to the podcast to hear me. Uh-huh. I know they're listening to the podcast to hear the person that I'm interviewing. So I try and get out of the way as much as I can. And I leave a lot of space for the person to talk because I'm very conscious of the third person in the the triangle, the listener. And while they might like me, if they've listened to a couple of podcasts, you know, they're not tuning in to hear me. They're, they're tuning in to hear that person. So my job then is to is to help the person I'm talking to feel as comfortable as possible. So uh, I'll do that by responding, by, you know, encouragingly, like, that I'm still here, I'm listening. They're not just talking to dead silence. Mm-hmm. And, and that I have uh, done my homework on that person. So I try to, I assume that the person listening knows about this person that I'm talking to, this artist, and that they may have read some interviews, they may have listened to previous podcasts. So I try not to ask anything that's already been asked. I just assume that they're going to do that research themselves, and I'm going to ask questions that haven't been asked, because it makes that interesting for the person I'm talking to, the artist I'm interviewing, because they're being asked fresh questions. And it it, uh, keeps the conversation alive Mm -hmm. and not about me about them that's uh i think i do that well (laughs) gotcha no that's great that's great and it's tough it's think it's tough for us all to say like something we do particularly well because i think all of us are are a bit modest but good interviewing techniques for lack of better term uh is something that's tough and i'm sure it's learned over time again 100 episodes in you're probably doing it a lot better than you were in your first couple of episodes so we always tell people when they're getting started your first episode is probably going to be bad. <laughs> well, it's probably not going to be your best episode, but but yeah. your 10th might be or your 20th because you really yeah. start knowing your audience and what podcasting is and how to have a real intimate kind of dialogue with someone over Skype that you think other people might want to listen to because you can talk to someone on Skype, but it might not be of anything kind of importance or you might ha- not be able to kind of tell a story with someone else on Skype. Yeah, But I think after a while you do kind of find your voice and find your way. And a lot of people are scared just to get started, but we just tell them, just go record five episodes and maybe you'll throw them all away. But then the next one will be really good and and you can properly get started from there. And if you keep those first five, it's not the end of the world. People will give you a pass for not being a professional uh, interviewer, your first podcast ever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, the, 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 as you say, you can throw them away. You don't have to, um, even if you publish them, you can unpublish them. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you, if you, if they make you cringe really badly, you know, but I think when you're starting, you know, no one's going to be listening. Right. <laughs> so it's all right. right. It's, it's, a, it's a sad truth though, isn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. your first, yeah. your first, unless, um, unless you're a celebrity to start off with, you're not, no one's going to listen to your podcast, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, I think is good because it means you can relax a bit. You know, the only people who are going to listen to you are the ones that you've pestered, like your friends and family, you know, have you listened to my podcast yet? But everybody, you know, you, 
it hasn't. So you you can make your mistakes early. And um, I think you're right. I think starting, that's the trick, you know, just start. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, you asked me before we started recording today, one, are we recording yet? And two, is this going to be edited afterwards or is this going like straight to Facebook Live or something? And that's something else I would tell people is, figure out how to use something like Audacity and edit the podcast and do a good job editing and know when you're recording that if you mess up, take a deep breath, take a pause, take a drink of water, and then start again and allow your guests to do the same thing as well. Because the beauty of podcasting is you can cut anything and everything you want out and make yourself sound much better than you would in person or or in a live type of recording environment. And I think that if you give yourself that and your guest that opportunity, everybody settles down, you have a lot better discussion, and the quality of the conversation goes up immensely. I absolutely agree. Uh, it's a lot more work. Yeah, sure. <laughs> to, to edit afterwards. But, you know, when you're dealing with evergreen content, it's not radio. It's there. It's going to stay there. It's it's living on a server. It can be listened to over and over and over again. So you want to feel like when you listen to your, you know, 10th episode and your 100 episodes in that you feel like, you, you know, you're not cringing. You edited it so that it's as good as it could have been, you know. Sure. And I, I, I can... Uh, agree with what you're saying about it makes you the person you're talking to if you do interviews it makes the person you're talking to relax i mean i don't think i've i've met anybody or i've had anybody on the on the podcast who didn't relax when i said this is not live it's not radio i'm going to edit everything afterwards and i'm going to you know make us both sound as good as i can <laughs> sure 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 so the dog barking or the baby in the background is not as big of a deal but <laughs> i know well i I've, like in my i have a list of things that i tell them before we start first one being this is not live i'm going to edit it afterwards and then the other one is if you hear my dogs barking don't worry about it <laughs> right <laughs> because i'll be able to cut that out because i record onto two channels so i can cut my if my dogs start barking um, <laughs> i can cut it out yeah that's great that's great Wonderful. Well, John, uh, for the folks who want to learn more about you and your podcast, can you tell them where they can find out more? Yeah, the podcast is called John Dalton Gently Does It. That's on, on all the places that you get podcasts. And then my website is johndalton.me, not .com, .me, because that's my name and it's John Dalton. So johndalton.me. And uh, yeah, you'll see all about the podcast and all the other things that I, I do are there as well. Awesome. John, thanks so much for being on the show today. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. And uh, thanks for having me on, Craig. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.